0: Have you ever wondered why you're not making a podcast? Maybe because you think it's too hard. Well, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free, and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will then distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I mean, you're immediately in the podcast game. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So right now, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Just go to anchor.fm and join me on Anchor.
1: These things are real and under intelligent control. The heroes roll
2: continues to do it. Oh,
1: Presented by Euphomet.
0: Broadcasting from the heart of Cascadia and the edge of the world, welcome to Night Drift, presented by Euphomet. I'm Jim Perry. It's Wednesday, May 6th, 2020. Tonight, we speak with Argentinian filmmaker Ryan Stivelman, whose recent film, Witness of Another World, follows the incredible and emotional story of a gaucho, Juan Perez who at the age of 12 had a supernatural encounter that changed his life forever. We learn how creating this documentary film has changed Alan's very own life. That's tonight, and it's right now. From Argentina, Alan Stivelman, next on Night Drift.
1: A group of people was expecting to hear a fantastic tale, but Juan broke down. What happened? What did he encounter? Speaking to witnesses like Juan, the phenomenon could not fit in the four-dimensional physics that we use every day. Juan is a hunter who has been hunted. More than 30 years have passed, and he still has PTSD from that childhood event. They were describing an impact on
2: consciousness
1: an impact on their thoughts an impact on their dreams and uh, an impact
0: on their life these
1: people have something to teach us (laughs) we demonize the unknown we are afraid of it
0: So, as I was saying, I love your film, and it obviously looks to me like a labor of love. Can you explain how important it was for you to make witness of another world?
2: Well, it was really important from different perspective because at the beginning of the project, my main purpose or my main idea was to make a movie, a documentary about what is behind the UFO phenomenon, trying to get answers from this elusive phenomenon and try to get answers. And the idea was to portray the story of Juan as an excuse to dig more in the, into the UFO phenomenon. But mm. as soon as I arrived to Juan's house and spent many weeks with him, the first time that I met him was in 2014, 14, yes. And um, it took me four years of research and also tried to get courage to enter to this story. Because at the beginning of the research process, one of the things that caught me my attention was that I realized that his mother, Juan's mother, this is not part of the movie, but it's the background, it's the main heart of why I did this. Um, The story was that I found out that Juan's mother was also a contactee, she suffered the same thing that Juan did when she was a teenager. Mm. Um, But this was a secret for many, many years. Juan didn't know nothing about this. She told me about this story just by chance. We were walking on the countryside and she confessed why she was so scared about the idea of making a film or a project with Juan because she was afraid that Juan could be kidnapped again by these entities Mm. because uh, according to her, uh, Juan was marked when he was 12 years old and probably those entities could come back to him and took him away from her. So Mm. she was really scared. Um, The main fuel or the main power that I get from this project was the idea of trying to understand if there is a connection between our ancestors or the lineage of the contactees and the UFO phenomenon. That was my main question with this project. And I think it has many layers. The story, if you you see the movie, it's just 80 minutes. But it took us four years of research of spending time with juan with his family, we also with Jack ballet. It was really, really deep with it was a really deep connection making this movie, and it changed me completely. The perception about what is reality and also the concept of the supernatural world changed. Um, my mind completely because I have to confess that before this project, my mind was a little bit skeptic about mm. the supernatural or the pos- another possibilities of existence. I want to believe, it, but it was really hard because I was quite a skeptic. And um, this movie and this journey helped me a lot to to gain awareness that we are not alone and also respect for this phenomenon. And I, t- as a filmmaker, I only wanted to help Juan in the process, to get the answers for him and also to share a message to the audience uh, that the importance f- for my perspective is that the human aspect is one of the most important important things or key is one of the keys to enter the supernatural realm so because it for me it was really big to try to prove the existence of this phenomenon or to disclose some of the proofs so that's why i took took aside the material aspect of the UFO phenomenon, and I only concentrate on the psychological side and the human aspect of of this phenomenon.
0: Well, really within focusing in that way, you're able to cut to the great humanity of this all, are you not? By focusing on the psychological, you get closer to the emotional.
2: Totally, totally, and I think the character of Juan is really is so powerful because he's really innocent, his pure soul, uh, his heart is, was really open since the moment I met him six years ago, and but but that time I was not really confident of making a project. I just wanted to meet uh, Juan without thinking of making a movie. I was just curious about his character. But one thing led to another, and I I got cultivated by the UFO phenomenon and I did my own research and I found out that the human aspect is really the key to understand this the the behavior of this of this phenomenon and the impact that we have on our human consciousness
0: and the further you found yourself in this field of mm-hmm. investigation and in research i'm sure you found that the human the personal the emotional is one of the least cons- uh, one of the least considered in terms of ufo research how how, how was that mm-hmm. how was how did that affect your approach in this
2: Oh, in, in many layers, because mm, one of the good things is that when I, when I started this project, I did it with my, my innocence. I was not a UFO researcher. I was not, like, how do I say, contaminated with the, right. all the theories and the speculations I was like a child entering into this fantastic world. And I did my own research, my own thoughts about these things. Um, But again, one of the things that allowed me to enter to new ways of understanding was the connection with his mother that she's not part of the movie, but is the soul of the movie. Because thanks to her, I was trying to understand what is the connection. If there is a, the, the, the biggest question that I had with this project is that there is a, an afterlife, and if there is one, if there is a connection between this afterlife and our ancestors and the UFO phenomenon. Because, for example, according to the Kabbalah, the Hebrew teaching, the, from Judaism mysticism, they speak about aliens and the UFO phenomenon, and they say that they are they are uh, our ancestors that they came in in different shapes and they entered to our realm, but they came from another dimension, similar to what Jack Ballet speaks on his, on his books. And one of the things that I found out during the process of this movie, the first step that I took during the, the shooting of the movie was I went to Paraguay and I went to the jungle uh, to make a research on the Guarani uh, worldview. The guaraní is one of the most important indigenous tribes in South America. And Juan ancestry came from that place, from the Guaranese. And I went there because I wanted to know what shamans and wise men and women thinks about the UFO phenomenon and the abduction phenomenon. Yeah. And I wanted to know more. And the first uh, day, the, the, sorry, the first night when I arrived to one of the tribes, uh, I was received by Plutarco. And he told me that he knew why I was there, what I was looking for. And he welcomed us and he told us that he will reveal all the secrets that was never heard from any white man. And he was really pleased because he was seeing us as Western people trying to understand the secrets of life so he was really, really happy with that because mm. in Paraguay, they live in an isolated mode, it, just like Juan did for four decades. And um, One of the things that I found out with, during that time that I spent with them was that their theory or the way of they perceive the UFO phenomenon is that is a phenomenon that is real 100% real but they came from they comes from another dimension that is linked and above us it's just one step is the dimension that is one step above us and when 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 plutarco was telling me that story i remember all the books from Jack Ballet and his theory, and I realized that they were speaking the same language, but one in a spiritual way and the other from his science language. And the right. goal of this movie was just to make a bridge between the spirituality from the indigenous cultures, but because they represent the The history of men the, the the ancestry, and from the other side, the voice of science, leaded by dr Jack ballet and for me, it was a real discovery to make, try to put the movie is open because we don 't say that the phenomenon came comes from another dimension it 's just open, but we we want it to put that theory on the table just to the viewers could understand that there are other theories or points of view around this phenomenon.
0: Well, in that way, it's very sophisticated. It's a tasteful approach to presenting an idea or a notion without hammering something into the audience, correct? And I think there's so many more ways that an audience can react and interpret and really integrate these messages. And one of these ways is through imagery, is through visual, is through abstraction. And yeah. one of the things that was just incredible stunning about your film is how cinematic it is and how seriously you took the craft in this. What is your filmmaking background before entering into this crazy world of UFOs and the metaphysical?
2: Well, I'm mostly a screenwriter. I did a feature film, but it was never shot. And I always thought that I was, I'm going to make just feature films, not documentaries. It was not my field. But when I was 24 years old, I was having an existential crisis, something like that. Mm. And I was studying The the Andes, the archaeological history of the Andes, trying to find the roots of an ancient civilization that was settled in Peru and Bolivia. And while I was having this crisis, I was making commercials, video clips, music clips, etc. But I said to myself, I need to go to the Andes. I need to. Meet the place that I was really looking into, because for five years, I was obsessed with this lost civilization, and I quit my job, I quit everything. I took a bus to to the Andes. I took my camera with me and just a notebook with two hundred questions. Mm-hmm. Most of them were existential existential. Why are we here? who we are? what is death etc and there i met plácido an andean shaman another the, the first time that i met someone who was linked to the indigenous roots i uh, for from um, for that time it was my first connection with the indigenous culture i was really new on the, on that field mm. and i spent around six months on between Peru and Bolivia with him. And when I came back to Argentina, I started to edit all the footage. It it was around 60 hours and it became a movie called Humano. It's human in Spanish. Mm -hmm. It was on Netflix. It used to be on uh, YouTube also. It was seen by more than six million people. It was a really big hit, and my idea was not to make a movie. Just I just took my camera as a, like a, how do I say a journal, and I record my daily life there. My questions. I also practice some. Um, ancient rites, and I was able to enter because the community that I connect during that journey was an old an ancient uh, civilization called Keros. Keros was an un- uncontacted civilization until mm. 1960. They lived in the hills, and no one knew that they were alive. Wow. So, yeah, it's really fascinating. And Placido, the, the protagonist of the film, it's one of the few there, uh, that speaks Spanish. That's why I was able to connect with him and speak with in, in, in a common language because in that community they speak Quechua. Quechua languages are the, the, the language of the Incas, the Inca empire. Mm. And it's a really difficult language. Um, yeah, that's that was my previous movie. It's called Humano. It will be again. It will be released again on May five. So just on this Tuesday on Amazon Prime. <laughs> yeah. That's
0: incredible so, timing. I had no idea. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: Fantastic. So my two movies will be live on on Amazon Prime.
0: Fantastic. Well, you know, I recommend everyone uh, check out. I mean, I, I've seen Witness of Another World. I can only imagine Humano is uh, worth watching as well. So I would recommend my audience to check out both. And we'll learn more about the story of Juan Perez and Alan's journey crafting this film when we're back with Nitro right after this.
1: Follow Uvamed on Spotify and subscribe on iTunes to receive new episodes of Night Drift automatically and gain access to all of our past episodes. into the night. This is Jim Perry. You are listening to Night Drift, presented by Euphemet.
0: Very briefly, can you, for the sake of my audience who maybe is a little bit uh, uninitiated, can you explain a little bit of the story of Juan Perez and yeah. what the state of that story was when you approached it?
2: Well, when I approached him, he was 48 years old, but his case was when he was 12 years old. So imagine there was four decades of, of doubts, of, of tears, because he lived in an isolation in different, in different like ranges around Argentina. Suffering, the mockery of his friends, of his family, because his family also thought that he was kind of lunatic. Um, it was really hard for him. So when I met him, he was really broken. Yeah, that's the word. He was, I could see, he saw that he was really injured. And by that time, I didn't know how to proceed. Just to li- I just listened to to his story, and I sat down next to him, and he was crying, and I was just trying to to calm him down. And for the years after, I was able to to make this project. But the story is that Juan, when he was twen- 12 years old, he lived something that was really supernatural to explain. It was 6 o'clock in the morning of September 6, 1978. Juan leaves his house to go in search of the herd of horses to begin the task of the field. Before going to school, Juan had strict tasks to do. His father uh, was very severe with him. So Juan rides his horse, Comet, that was the name of his horse, And gallops a few meters until suddenly three lights in the sky began to dance frenetically. His horse was scared. He didn't know. He didn't not want to move forward. Juan returns home and explains the situation to his father that he had seen three strange lights in the sky. The father ignores him completely and ask him to return and begin the task of the field. So Juan goes back to Comet and observes that a thick fog covers the entire field. It was a really strange fog. It's not the typical fog in the town. So without fear, he decides to cross it, but his horse was a little scared, so it was difficult for Juan to make him move forward. When crossing the fog bank, Juan sees that a white circular object was landed on the ground. Juan, in the original reports, mentions that he thought that he was seeing a kind of tractor or a house for farm workers. So he never said the word ship or UFO. And I want to highlight, Jim, this because Juan, throughout the history, The whole experience, he always thought that he was seeing something that was familiar to him. Mm. Okay, and then uh, a gate of the object opens and a tall being looks out and invites him to go up. A ladder descends from the ship. One shyly approaches with his horse, gets off and ties the stirrups to the ladder. Juan climbs the ladder as he can. Each step is very high for him. Finally, he succeeds and enters the ship. One enters a very strange space for him. On his left side, he observes that there is a small being, a meter and a half tall, who is cutting meat on a transparent table. Instead of hands, it has scissors. And instead of feet, it has wheels. It was something like a robot. The small being ignores the presence of Juan the whole time. On his right side, he sees the tall being about three meters tall. He's watching monitors and making hand movements as if he were typing on a touch screen. A very important detail is that in front of Juan there is a transparent wall or mirror that prevents Juan from going to the other side. It is like an electromagnetic field. Juan tries to cross the wall with his hand, but he can't. On the contrary, the small being moves from one place to another without problems. Suddenly, the gate begins to close and Juan is scared because he's afraid that his father will challenge him for being entertained. Mm -hmm. He quickly gets off the ship and sees that his horse was injured because he hit the ladder. The tall being appears next to Juan, and Juan asks him for help. Suddenly, the tall being begins to squeeze Juan's arm and scratch him. And I need to stop here. Because something fantastic happened during the regression because we practiced a regression during the film. One of my ideas was to make a, a regression because it was something that was never practiced on Juan. It's wow. not... It's not um, how do I say, hypnotherapy, it's not an hypnosis. It's another kind of technique because hypnosis is really deep, but with this regression is something similar to a relaxation, a meditation because the patient is fully aware the whole time. And when he wakes up, he will remember everything. So that's what one of the main differences with the hypnosis so what happened during the regression was really fantastic because a lost memory came up because after this moment when the Tolbin squeezed Juan's arm, Juan stopped talking for at least five minutes and we were really worried when we were doing the, this scene, this regression because Juan stopped talking and suddenly he started to say, wow, wow, lot!" I, I will try to explain it quickly because the regression was one hour and a half and in the movie, it's just wow. 10 minutes. So you, you can imagine that the process was, re- was really stressful for all of us. And Juan yeah. suddenly started to say, wow, wow, lot of stars, black, blue, red, yellow, and we look at I- each other with Dr. Nestor Berland and say, what the fuck, what's going on? And Juan started to say that he was seeing stars. Mm. So suddenly the, the whole day changed to a night and he was not anymore in the grass. He was floating in the air, like in a space. He was like, we, we asked, Juan, are you traveling? And he said, I don't know. I don't know. Wow, there are many. There are many. He started to say that the tall being was not just one. There were thousands Mm. around him. This is not part of the movie. It was really hard and abstract to explain, but he saw that there were many, many tall beings around him. I don't want to spoil because uh, this is a spoiler alert, because at the end of this scene, is very emotional. Juan broke into tears, into tears because he saw something that was really powerful, and it was also the key to understand why this happened to him, because one of the questions that he was asking to the Tolbin is, why to me? Why to me? And another detail that is part of the background of the story, we were using two lights in the, in the, in the room while we were shooting. There were two lights with batteries, L-A-D. There were no electricity in, in, in the whole house, so we, we needed to use lights with batteries.
0: Mm.
2: And the thing is that when Juan was interacting with the phenomenon or the beings, the light started to answer, in a way. He mm. was The light was moving. So it was really impressive to see that there was a real connection. It was not something that was remembering. Juan was not remembering. Juan was actually inter- having an interaction in real time with the phenomenon. Because in the precise, mom- precise moment that Juan was asking and receiving uh, an answer, there was like a flicker in the light. Hmm. It it was really unperceptive on the footage, but we all witnessed that presence and the phenomenon. And the other thing that was really funny, just saying a, a word, but everyone fall asleep during the whole regression all the technicians and the people Wait, that was
0: every, everyone on the crew fell asleep during the Yeah, group.
2: everyone and uh, yes and i was not a, i was awake the whole event and dr berlanda too but the rest of us they were all fell they all fell asleep
0: so okay so what does it feel like for you as a filmmaker to be at the heart of a discovery for an experiencer who therein you start to experience yourself
2: well I have to there was so many times while I was doing this that I was really afraid I have to be honest because when we finished that scene the regression I remember that I went out I started to walk, to walk all across the countryside. In, I was walking in, in circles and asking myself who we are, who we are, what's going on, what is all of this. And Dr. Berlanda, that had a, a very big background on the UFO research, he was really scared too. He was he was asking me what's what's it's all of this because we we felt in that moment that we were participating in the UFO phenomenon itself. We were entering the heart of the phenomenon. We were knocking the door because many unexplainable things happened during the research and also while we were shooting. So we felt in that moment that we were like being witness of another world all of us not just juan we were yeah. using juan's story because all of us were really interested on in having a transcendental experience or trying to understand our human experience on this earth we all have our own questions and we are all in our own path I I understand that. But gathering so many people with one purpose, to help this person. Jack Ballet took a plane for 20 hours to go to the South, to the end of the world, to Argentina, with just one mission, to help Juan. He, He only wanted to stay with Juan and to help him, Dr. Berlanda too. So... It was a reunion of many people with one mission, and I think that mission or that goal had consequences, because mm. just, just an example, three or four days after that I left Paraguay, the last uh, community that I visit called me to my cell phone. They, they sent me some messages audio messages telling me that they saw a UFO ship uh, two nights after that I visited them.
0: Mm.
2: It was a very big UFO ship. The whole community saw that. Uh, It was like an interaction of five, six minutes. And then that ship disappeared uh, behind uh, a hill. And when I received that message, I said to myself, this this is not possible. What's, what's happening? Because there are so many synchronicities. Oh, and right. I was asking myself, we are going in the right path or not? Because one of the messages that I got from Sylvia, the wise woman from that community, she was really afraid of revealing some secrets about the divine world because they don't talk about UFO or aliens. They talk about spirits and other dimensions or the divine realm. And she told me that we should be cautious with with this kind of manifestation because Mm. the manifestation has two sides. One could come <laughs> from the light, and the another one could come from the shadow
0: yeah.
2: and we are and Western people nowadays we don't have the tools that we used to have in the past to fight with these entities right. because in in shamanic terms, they use chants and like they are some kind of mantras to, to, how do I say, to obligate that light or that manifestation to reveal the truth that is behind that light because we don't have to be blinded by the light. That was one of the messages mm. that she gave us to, to all of us because we, we tend to be blinded to all kinds of manifestation but a manifestation that says i come i come from the light probably it could come from the shadow and the opposite a scary figure could be the one who is the most elevated uh, spiritual entity and we don't know that Yes, so we are living in an upside world.
0: Without the correct tools to process in the Western world. Exactly. And that's what's kind of endearing to hear that the indigenous people that you spoke to were actually giving with information and insight about what it all could mean and how to protect yourself in those situations. Um, That's from a place of giving and of experience. and. If some of this phenomenon, if the phenomenon in general, is co-creative with its participants, look at the situation we found ourselves in with our projection of what the supernatural, of what the anomalous is. It's foreboding. It's uh, villainous. It's malevolent to a lot of individuals that don't have the right tool set to process or communicate with whatever this may be on a very emotional, human way what are you doing to protect yourself now man i mean how are you feeling after all of this
2: that's uh that's an excellent question um i try to not practice anything to prevent from from nothing i have to say i try to not one of the things that I learned from Jack was to not have any kind of ideology when we go to the field on when we make our own research, because ideology tends to blind our mind mm-hmm. and our mm-hmm. perception because we have like, um, how do I say pre ideas? We are not like fresh as a child that's, yeah. that's the importance of being like with the spirit of a child full aware of what we are experiencing. i had to to experience that was really difficult to explain not as as big as juan but when i had that those experience i blocked myself and i said to myself that this is nothing. This is not relevant. It doesn't have any kind of importance. But now I try to not judge. That's one of the keys, I think, to to understand our reality because we don't know nothing about reality. It's a big word. We used to to use it, but we don't know what is reality. If we are living in a universe, or we are in a mix of multiple universes, I think we are crossed by many, many energies, entities, and I think as, as we are aware of our life, as we are aware of our consciousness, that we are human beings, nothing could happen to us. Nothing bad could, ca- could happen to us. But for example, in the case of Juan, he was really sad. His, his energy was really low and he was a victim, but not of these entities. He was a victim of society because human beings were the ones who harmed him, not these entities or these yeah. beings. His major trouble with was with the the ignorance of the society with his own relatives with his co workers who was mockering him saying that he was drunk and i think one of the i could probably more scared of human beings than this kind of entities because i believe there is some kind of firewall or, or or barrier that prevent them to 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 harm us. As long as we are aware, are we uh, conscious? We if we have like low battery, as just as a cell phone, they could maybe could uh, as if, if from the shamanic perspective, they could drink. Our, our energy.
0: Yeah. Right. How do you think this experience is, will change you as a filmmaker, an artist?
2: Oh. Uh, it's difficult because now I'm having some, some issues trying to write, for example, a story, a fiction story and I think some kind of story, I, I'm not able to, to write it anymore. Mm. I don't know why, but my mind sometimes is blocked and I cannot write some, kind, some topics. I'm not able to write horror, for example. I, I, I can't. While I was a teenager, I was really a big fan of horror movies, snuff, gore. But now I, I don't know why, but I'm just focused on my, my own journey, my own spiritual journey, and I try to, to share the things that I'm, I'm discovering while, I'm, while I am alive, and I try to transform those contents into a story, a documentary, or a feature theme. Now I'm trying to get funds for my next project. It's, it's the first one because it's, it's the project about the lost civilization. This mm. is my, my main topic because it's a, it's a journey that connects directly to our origin, because we are talking about the mother civilization, mm. that the one that history uh, forgot and n- never tried to put all the pieces together. That's why I'm I'm really uh, I really want to make this project happen. I want to travel to India. I want to travel to Tibet. To, to South America and to make the connections because in the memory of the ancient cultures, they all talked about the same thing. They all talk about a catastrophe that hit our earth many thousands years ago, probably 12,000 years ago. That's right. And there was a civilization. Before the flood or before the ice age, there was a civilization. All the legends and the myths talks about the same thing. And for me, it's really important because we cannot have a future as humanity if we don't know our origin, our past. And I have to say, I don't buy the idea of Darwin Mm. There is something else. For sure, there is something else. In, in a way, I buy it. But in another perspective, I know there are some missing pieces, and I want to go to find it as soon as I, as I can.
0: What about this lost civilization keeps calling to you? I'm really glad that you're able to sort of go back to it after this. and. Mm-hmm really have the potential to approach it probably, I would assume, in a different way. But what about it is so gripping you that it's a story that you feel like you very much need to tell?
2: That's an excellent question. Uh, I don't know if it's an obsession because I did the same question to myself many times. (laughs) Why? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Really, because it's something that is haunting me. I cannot think or try to make another script and I can't. Sometimes I write several pages and then I change the story and I go back to this story. So it's like haunting me. And I, I don't, I don't know why really I don't know what the starting point was the Andes because I found out some evidence photographs about uh, an, under, an underwater uh, megalithic structures that is mm. below the Lake Titicaca. And the main question that I was asking myself when I was 20, now I'm 33, so there are more than 15 years that I'm involved on this, on this topic. And I asked many archaeologists and anthropologists and I asked to them the same question. We are. If this is true, if these megalithic structures are real, and thank God there is an archaeologist from Belgium that is working right now on this, on this topic in, in Bolivia. one of the thing that I asked to these scientists was that if this is real, a civilization did this marvelous Uh, structure like um, little Machu Picchu when there was no water on this lake and Mm -hmm. what year are we talking about and one of them he told me oh that's if this is true we are talking about at least 25,000 years ago and one of the things that is really particular on this water is that they have It is a salty water, very similar to the sea. And it's 4,000 meters above the sea, this lake.
0: Mm.
2: So it's really rare. So this was my starting point. And after that, thanks to this investigation, I met one of the most important researchers of this field. His name is Anson Pirambla. He's a Spanish researcher and a, an expert of ancient symbolism. And he made, in the year 2000, an excavation in Cusco to find out the ancient tunnel that connects Cusco, the ancient Cusco, and this ancient tunnel that the ancient name is Chincana, Chincana in Quechua language means uh, the labyrinth where one get lost because if you enter the Chincana, probably you are not gonna come back ever. Re- yes, yeah, according to the chronicles and the le- legend, it's a really it's a maze. Um, he wanted to find out, but what happened after five months of digging? the church because he was actually digging on the church the main church of cusco the coricancha that in during the inca empire it would, that place was uh, the inca temple of the sun but as mm. you know when the spanish came they built a church above ancient sites very important sites very energetic and he dig on that site, but there was a cold from above. We don't know where part of the the hierarchy from the church. And the project was canceled because the state of Peru was fighting with the, with the church. And Anselm was not able to make the discovery because it will be the greatest discovery of the century and with, with with this project, what I want to make is to to get back to this not not to the same place because we are not the idea is not to dig on the church. We know other place to dig that is not related with any kind of religion because that will be a really mess. And the idea is to not with this project is not just to portray the hero's journey to the origin of man, going to India, to Tibet, to the Himalayas, because at the end of the project, the a TV series or a movie, we don't know yet. We want to rebuild the hardcore evidence of this lost civilization, because mm-hmm. according according to the the archaeology society, this chincana and this tunnel is fantasy. It's not real. It's only on, in the books. But the same happened with Juan. Everyone was saying that his story was not true. And we did a story trying to expose that Juan, the, the, the real thing on Juan's story is his trauma. His trauma was real. And I can assure you that his tears was real. And with this project, I want to portray the same, the human aspect of this journey to the origin of of man.
0: Uh, Well, it's incredibly relieving and exciting for you to say that. I mean, my next question really was going to be, in what ways would you take what you learned about presenting a a truly personal humanistic story with Juan and apply it to something that in many respects can be a little bit more abstract for individuals watching which is the you know real origin of the human history right, right. and to hear you uh, talking about it in this way and i think because it's so connected to you emotionally even there's no doubt in my mind that you'll be able to present something in a way that we've never really seen before in the tome like novels that each one of us has on our shelves that are infinitely fascinating yet a little bit disconnected from us personally right so i i'm incredibly excited about that and i'm very happy that you're the person doing that alan
2: thank you thank you jim and yes it's it's really personal it connects me to a deeper level of of myself because it has to be with my journey. Probably if we work this project with, the, how do I say, with a big production company in the US because we are trying to make a deal with them, probably it will be the actor will be like a famous one, but in that case, he will represent the, the, the hero that goes into those places to find out the, the pieces of, this, of the big puzzle. And for me, the most important thing is, above all the things, is the message. Because I don't want to... Because we are dealing with the, the most intimate thing that connects all of us is that our, our origin... And I know that Witness of Another World had many layers, and it's very, the message could be very abstract. And I'm receiving plenty of good messages, excellent feedbacks. But sometimes the UFO fans wanted to know more about Juan's case, about the shape of the ship, about the shape of the (laughs) beings. Right. and most of them got really frustrated when when they 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 see the the movie because it it's not about the the beings it's not about the UFO it's not about disclosure and it's not about evidence it's just about one story and it's a healing journey and and I understand why those people got frustrated with 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 the movie but it's there are plenty of good movies about evidence about proof or theories. We just wanted to make another perspective of the same phenomenon.
0: Well, I can tell you this for sure. Listeners of our documentary series, You've Met will absolutely love Witness of Another World, so they should definitely check it out. It's a human approach to the unknown in which you will completely I don't know, sort of fall into the rabbit hole and fall in love with Juan and Alan at this point as well. Alan, what are some places people can find your work?
2: Well, now you can watch our my movies, Humano and Witness of Another World at Amazon Prime. It's free for subscribers. And also, if you don't have it, you can rent it on our website, witnessofanotherworld.com.
0: Thank you so much for joining us, the man, Ellen.
2: Thank you, Jamie. It was it was a pleasure.
0: Thank you for listening to this edition of Night Drift, presented by Youfamatic. Thank you to our guest, Alan Stivelman, as well as our sponsors, Spotify and Anchor. For everything met, including how you can subscribe to the show, links to our Patreon and social media, visit UFOmet.com. We'll be back shortly with a new episode of UFOmet and more Night Drift. Thank you for listening. This is Jim Ferry, and until next time, keep looking up.
1: Follow UFOmet on Spotify. And subscribe on iTunes to receive new episodes of Night Drift automatically and gain access to all of our past episodes.